0: I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on a knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this!
1: <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. You're
0: in retreat. We're not rioting yet.
1: I don't like that question. You're just saying shit. And you don't even know what you're talking about. But
0: Spider-Gate sounds way cooler than Manta-Rays, doesn't it? And I was like,
1: well, here's my two cents. You, you, you need a lot of stuff.
0: That's how we should describe the podcast. If they even went around and recruited one more person... Then we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then,
1: let's start the show.
0: We're back! Hello! Flash! You're there, you're alive, you're looking a little bit thinner, but you're looking good.
1: My goodness gracious, everybody keeps telling me that. must be this vegetarian diet that I'm on.
0: Well, that'll be the first mistake you made. Yeah, don't worry though, we'll uh, we'll feed you some meaty stories during uh, this episode and hopefully get that weight back on you. But yeah, no, it's... Good to have been back. It's been a little while. I know that you've been uh, dallying around without me, uh, behind my back, in between. Hey.
1: Uh, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission, is what I've always been told. So, yeah, I did. A, I did a few episodes without you, but uh, like I said to the listeners, you know, we were never going to abandon this great combo. So we just it just took a matter it was just a matter of time before we we got back to it. You know, it was. So, Summer can be a bit of a busy time. We were both out frolicking in the uh, the heat waves that respectively hit our our nations.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it wouldn't have been much fun a doing it in the heat, and then obviously you'd have had to look at me on this video link that we record this over with me. You know, at best semi naked yeah, and, uh, and s- sweating, sweaty, and yeah. yeah all the that, rest of it. That's that's not the sort of thing that's good. To, conducive conversation uh so no listeners we are back uh, apologies for the uh, hiatus in between but hopefully flashes whetted your whistle uh in the meantime between that well um, and i know
1: i know brad that you've you've not listened to my endeavors without you so i don't know like i don't know if you plan to or if it's just gonna be too heartbreaking for you uh but if you do, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think of it, and well, I'm curious to see what the listeners think of it as, as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to be back in this chair, and I think we'll keep a we're going to try and keep a more regular pace, maybe.
0: We are, um, yeah, yeah, and I think we've already scheduled that we might actually be in the same room in a couple of weeks, so we might uh, take that opportunity to actually record uh, mm-hmm. actually together. So uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be good fun as well. Yeah. Um, so
1: i mean stay tuned we'll see um but yeah i think there's i think it's all on the up and up for us now
0: well the only way is up i think based on where (laughs) we were before but um anyway let's let's dive in so um first story today is going to be uh one that i dug around in so as i was saying to flash we have these big pre-production meetings before we start this you know they really are that grand and you know it involves whiteboards and pictures and Topless women, but yeah, let's not focus on <laughs> on that. So actually, the story that I started researching this week was going to be about some of the Nobel Prize prizes that had been announced this week, um, right. the week they were recording. So uh, the Peace Prize got announced today. The um, Physiology Medicine Award got uh, announced earlier in the week for immunotherapy and oncology. And as I started digging into those, I was like, well, actually, I don't, I know what the Nobel Prize is in terms of it's a, mm-hmm. an award in certain areas. But what actually is it? So actually then I went down that little rabbit hole of actually what is the Nobel Prize and how did it come into being? Um, and that's actually the story that I'm going to give you today. So, yeah,
1: um, you know, the, the people could just look up who won. They don't need us to tell. Ex- tell exactly. Who, yeah. So yeah, if you want to know who won, just do yeah. your job and look yeah. it
0: up. Well, sometimes on TV, if you want to know who won look away now, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. You are safe in yeah. the knowledge. I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. We don't um, even know. I don't even know. No. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> Nobel Prize is named after a guy called Alfred Noble. Uh, he was a Swedish guy, uh, born in 1833, and he died in 1896. Uh, he was a chemist, he was an inventor, he was an engineer, he was an entrepreneur, he was a businessman, uh, he was a bit of an author, um, and also a, a, a big fan of the arts. So a bit of everything in there. Um, he held 355 patents. Cool. Uh, yeah, um, with probably the most well-known one being for dynamite uh so uh, i did not know that okay uh so he got the patent for dynamite in 1867 um basically his family had been involved in um arms productions and things like that so um basically from all his wealth was basically generated obviously on the back of these 355 patents but predominantly from the production of dynamite and his family's arms companies so actually when he died um, he had over 90 arms factories around the world um, but the, what really hooked me and that's why I got interested is why he came up with the idea of the Nobel Prizes um, so his youngest brother was actually killed in an explosion um, In a
1: <laughs> surprise surprise
0: in a shed um, (laughs) while trying to perfect um, nitroglycerine and then the formation of dynamite Um, but a Paris newspaper actually got the report of his death wrong so rather reporting on the death of the younger brother actually they published the obituary of Alfred Nobel who hadn't Ah. died Um, and it was titled The Merchant of Death is Dead <laughs> and, and he was so horrified that his uh, legacy, once he died, would actually be this that he decided to set up something for good. So, in his will, he left uh, thirty-one million Swedish krona, uh, which is around about equivalent now of two hundred and thirty million dollars, give or take. Oh
1: shit! So that's a lot. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's a lot. Um, and basically set up the Nobel Prize. So, originally the prizes were in chemistry, in literature. Uh, for peace, obviously to make up for the arms deals, uh, in physics, and then in physiology and medicine. Um, So basically all the areas that his patents and his interests were in. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was all set up um, actually in uh, 1895, before he died, and then his will sort of solidified that. So the first awards weren't actually given until 1901. Um, There's also an additional award now, which actually technically isn't a Nobel Prize, but it's the... Uh, The Prize for Economics Um, So that's a latecomer Uh, So that was actually set up in 1968 Uh, It's actually set up By the Swedish Central Bank But they named it um, The Prize for Economics In memory of Alfred Nobel So actually Ah, it now gets It now gets turned the Nobel Prize for Economics And it's awarded by the Nobel Committee Um, But technically it wasn't one of the original Nobel Prizes Um, The Winners of the Nobel Prize uh, are the laureates, the, the winners, they're called laureates. The winners uh, get a gold medal, um, which uh, they sell for around about $4 million at auction, so not to be sniffed at, um, a diploma, uh, and they also get a cash award of around about $9 million Swedish krono, around about $1.1 $1. 1 million dollars. Um, like, no the, strings
1: attached? Like, like, this isn't, like, goes to your lab or anything? Like, this, this is you this is personally? For you. Yeah. A million bucks? A million dollars. Wow, um, I did not know that. So, so it, does, it does pay to get a Nobel. It does. I was, I, one of my questions when you're going to this is, like, he set up this fund with all this money. I was like, what does it go? Like, why do they, you know, you could just name an award and give it to something. Like, you yeah, need money for that. But it, I guess there's, like administration the gold the actual gold things and now everybody gets a million dollars so yeah
0: Um, so the awards um, can be shared by up to three people apart from the Peace Prize which can also be given to an organization um, which obviously then could have more than three people in it but right right. so um, uh, actually what made me then think of that was uh, two years back I got to meet a Nobel Prize uh, winner. I got to meet one of the recipients of the 2015 Physiology Medicine Award, which was in our arena flash uh, of parasitology, William C. Campbell.
1: The ivermectin guy, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so the way it works is um, nominations are sought for uh, potential uh, laureates. And um, Nominations are sought from academics, predominantly, around about 3,000 academics in the various fields of chemistry, literature, physics, peace. Uh, sorry, not peace, physics, physiology. Uh, and then also from governments and uh, organisations of that ilk for the Peace Prize, um, nominations are sought. And then they, they whittle that down to around about 300 potential winners. Um, those potential nominees um, don't... Uh, the nominations are sealed so you don't ever know if you're a nominee apart from 50 years later so those nominations get sealed for 50 years so you actually probably Uh, potentially would never know um, if if you you were were, close yeah if you were close Um, and then there's uh, those 300 potential winners the Nobel committee uh, generate a report on each of them looking at why and whatever and then they submit that to the awarding body so For chemistry and physics, the awarding body is the Royal Swedish Academy of Science. Um, For the physiology and medicine, it's the Nobel Assembly um, at the Institute of... uh, And I'm going to murder this name, so I apologise. Karolinska? Karolinska? I apologise for that if I've got it wrong. Um, You definitely got it wrong. I definitely got it wrong. (laughs) Thanks. I should have just said it with confidence and nobody would have known, but I put my hand up that... um, um, it's a mixture of my pronunciation is wrong and my spelling and scrawl is atrocious, so I can't yeah. even see. <laughs> um, the Literature Award is awarded by the Swedish Academy and the Peace Award is actually uh, done by the Norwegian Nobel Committee. Hmm. Um, and then, they, they basically then, those they get voted on and then immediately following the vote, the winners get announced. So this week, today, as I said, the Peace Award was announced for the... Um, anti-rape protesters, um, the medicine award for uh, was given earlier this week for um, the use of immunology in uh, cancer treatment. Um, so then I started to look at oh there have there been any uh, you know uh, juicy stories or interesting so there's only been one person that's ever turned down a Nobel Prize. Uh, they turned down the Peace Prize uh, and it was a person by the name of Lee Doc Thor. I did get that pronunciation right because I looked, um, who was Vietnam's chief negotiator. um, And they were jointly awarded the Peace Award with Henry Kissinger, his US counterpart, for Mm. negotiating the um, armistice and the truce to the Vietnam conflict. Um, But Li Duc Tho actually refused to take it because um, the US actually bombed Hanoi during that truce. And he said that thus they broke the truce and therefore. the piece had been shattered, so he actually refused to accept his award. Um, did Kissinger take it? He did, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he, but yeah that well, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, $1.1 $1. 1 million in the bank, plus that gold medal, which he can auction off at a later date. So, uh, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I got the track from. But, yeah, Alfred Noble himself saying, you know, 355 patents. That's, yeah. that's no slouching around. So,
1: How guilty did he feel to, to, to set this up, eh?
0: I'm, well, I'm guessing to give away basically his entire fortune and maybe not give any of it... Well, he gave a small proportion to his family, but yeah. the majority of it went to the, form this. So, yeah.
1: Pretty guilty.
0: Yeah, you would have thought so. So there are a couple of companies out there that still bear his name. So um, Dynamite Nobel and uh, Axo Nobel have his name. Who are, They're all descendants from his original companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, all still like their now.
1: Huh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I knew he was a Swedish guy. I knew his name was Alfred, and I knew he was a chemist. I think I might have heard once that he did dynamite, but I don't know. So that was all new information to me. I do think it's kind of funny that, like, the whole story about his uh, getting a glimpse at his obituary and being like, yeah. oh, sh- oh, shit, I can't be remembered as this. <laughs> I got, I better do something about it. Um I'm curious though as to, you know, is it just a bunch of Swedish people deciding this? Like, who's on these committees? Like, is there some kind of? Because I mean, we all now, you know, the world kind of holds these things in somewhat of a regard. You know, they're they're pretty. They're obviously pretty um, prestigious awards to get. Like, is there some kind of? Is it? I wonder. I wonder who sits on these boards. Nothing against the Swedish people. I'm just saying. It's like you know it's like anything if you're if you're coming from a certain place you're going to have your biases your you know what you think is yeah. good and what you you know like especially for the peace prize you got a bunch of you know swedish people been sweden was neutral in like every major conflict in the last well, so, so you know and they're come on man
0: so two yeah so two people of the committee of the Nobel committee actually resigned over the fact that kissinger got the award yeah, um, yeah that makes sense in, in protest um, so that was the, the other part of the, the controversy there um, yeah it, it does seem it, it, yeah the award is coming from the you know Royal, Ac- Royal Swiss Academy uh, Swiss Royal Swedish Academy of Science and the Swedish Academy for Literature and things so yeah it's I mean, I'm just—I'm really event. just
1: trying to rag on Sweden a bit here.
0: Well, you know, I—I—I I, I would like to think that maybe the Swedish chef from the Muppets is hurdy, 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 yeah. you <laughs> know, throwing nominations around in the background and He's uh, just that's throwing th- knives in my head. and
1: whatever name he hits—that's yeah. the one. Yeah,
0: yeah. In, in my head, that is—you know—probably how it's working. So, but yeah, yeah. I, the the piece that you break out about the—you know—basically the turning point or the creation point for this is seeing that premature ob- obituary, and I did make me think oh I wonder what my obituary would would look like maybe I should get some friends to to write one for me and then uh,
1: you want me to write s- one up for you and see what the, no see what I, you I think? certainly
0: wouldn't ask you to contribute to it no
1: <laughs> I don't know I think I could do a decent job
0: well you know you, I guess you know professionally you're the trained writer out of both of us but um, mm.
1: debatable well some yeah. people have chosen to pay me to write so yeah well, I've yeah. I've I've crossed that threshold. So, if, yeah, if people are that
0: desperate, they're paying you to write, then, you know, I'm definitely, definitely not going to ask them. <laughs>
1: well, no, interesting story, because, I mean, it's, I like that it was your, you know, you fell down an internet, you know, wormhole. Yeah. And then didn't have the original story that you wanted for the podcast ready to go. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go with this.
0: Well, and, you know, it could have gone either way because the other story, you know, I could have gone down the wormhole of looking at some sort of porn website. So, you know, we could have been <laughs> discussing that right now. But.
1: Well, that's our other show. It's available on the dark web. <laughs> DM me for details. Yeah. Um, you can just Google it, can't you? On yeah. The dark web. yeah, you just Google the dark
0: web. Yeah, that's how it works. It? That doesn't in any way, shape or form set up any sort of security alert or, nah, you know, Government's tracking your internet traffic or anything? Yeah, just
1: put a little piece of tape over your ah uh, uh, yeah right over your microphone and your camera. You're all good.
0: Okay, cool. you heard it here so, first.
1: No, I'm good. I just I'm I'm glad it's a different take rather than just sitting here and naming off the Nobel Prize winners, who most of them I, we we'd probably just be sitting here being like ah uh, cool, good well, job.
0: Uh, well actually so you did make me think that when you said about Sweden having their you know Sweden are driving this maybe they've got some thoughts so they have in the in the past been accused of being too eurocentric um, right, right, right so yeah the European Union for instance got the Peace Prize award a few years back for their decades of work for continuing peace across the the globe I always said the galaxy then but I, I guess
1: <laughs> not in yet. our own galaxy not, not quite yet. yet. The European Space Agency, you know, they got some you know intergalactic conquest up their sleeves.
0: Well, not anymore. Not not when we pull out all the UK funding. So uh, wow. come Brexit.
1: Right now, we might have to save a, a whole episode just for that. But um, so wait, I, I, before we move on, we said we weren't going to spoil winners, but you did kind of tease a couple winners, and I am interested. And who's a peace prize. That's like the one that I only have like, you know, because it's usually you can find some kind of sign of, it's such a, that would be a tough one to nail. Like Obama won it. And you know, then like he won the presidency and used drones for all. like, there's always like, that's a very tough standard to sort of live up to. You know what I mean? And like the, the controversy that you mentioned was with the peace prize so who did win it yesterday? You said the anti-rape protesters? Is that like the uh, Me 2 movement or
0: something? Anti, no, so anti-rape activists. So um, it went to two people, Nadia Murad and Denis uh, Um Miss Murad is an Iraqi citizen who was tortured and raped by uh, Islamic State militants, uh, mm. but later became the face of a campaign to free uh, Yazadi people. Um, And then Dr. Mukwege is a Congolese gynecologist who, along with his colleagues, treated tens of thousands of victims. Um, They were announced uh, in Oslo today for their efforts to end the use of sexual violence as a weapon of war.
1: Okay, so probably not a lot of controversy on those two. Well done. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah. I would, I would guess, probably not a lot of controversy there. Um, By all accounts, Dr. uh, Mukwege and I'm murdering his name I'm sure mm. uh, before you or one of the listeners put out. he was actually operating at his hospital when he'd heard he won the prize it says uh, in the article huh. um, I was in the operating room so when they started to make noise around it I wasn't really thinking about what was going on and then suddenly some people came in and told me the news
1: Well good for him, congratulations to both of them uh,
0: well, Yeah then. indeed, so yeah but as you said yeah, Barack Obama's won it, as I said the European Union have won it Yeah um, uh, Nelson Mandela and former President de Klerk in South Africa have uh, been past recipients of it. So, yeah, I think that's the Peace Prize. I think is a an interesting. It's probably the most
1: popular one, though, too, right? Like,
0: yeah, I think most people tend to think you know the Nobel Peace Prize tends to be synonymous yeah. with the Nobel Prize, really, doesn't it? Really,
1: yeah.
0: Know. So yeah, so the, the Nobel Prize, there, there it is in a nutshell, it, it's. As I found when I was researching, it's a fairly contagious topic. And if you don't pick up on that word that I've just thrown in there, Flash, for the segue into your article, you're a fool.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of contagious, oh, have I got a story for you. A couple wow. stories, actually.
0: How did you segue into that, Flash? Well done.
1: <laughs> it's good to see that we're, we're not uh, rusty on our no, over-obvious no over ref- segues.
0: No, and we're not so rusty that I wanted to make it so obvious that that was the chance for you to start talking and me to shut up for a little bit.
1: (laughs) Well, let me pick up on that virus and tell you about one of our, uh, maybe our second favourite virus on the show. I don't know, we could go back and look at the tapes. But uh, we're going to talk about, first off, we're going to talk about the flu. It's October now, flu season Flu is, or
0: man flu, because one is very much more serious than the other.
1: It's true. And I don't know if the numbers I have here have a distinction. Uh, so we're just going to talk about flu in general. Okay. Um, but this is actually not about the upcoming flu season, but about the the previous flu season. And before we started rolling, we, we were trying to remember if we actually touched on last year's flu season in an episode. Uh, because... It was, if we did, we were probably talking about how all predictions, all signs were pointing to last year's flu season being one of the worst or potentially one of the worst um, that we've seen in a while. And there was a number of reasons for that. Uh, Influenza A strains, which are tend to be the most dangerous, uh, they were dominating the sort of mixture of flus that were looking to circulate around the world and they were having some problems with the vaccines matching the vaccines to the exact strains and vaccine efficacy was looking to be not as good as it should be um and so the story that i have today is that they were right estimates estimates of of deaths in the US from the flu last year are at 80,000 So 80,000 people are estimated to have died from the flu last year in the US alone. Wow. Uh, Yeah, and so this is, you know, recent years, uh, from the article I was reading, recent years they saw numbers from like 12,000 all the way up to 56,000, sort of being the worst in recent memory. Um, And this 80,000 number, it is bigger than anything that they've seen since 1976. And so there's a couple things to note about this. Well, first of all, that like, the flu is is serious. It's it's quite a serious. It's one of the most serious diseases that we deal with every year. Um, and eighty thousand, like that's 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 nothing to sneeze at. You know, I think a lot of people.
0: Oh, I see what you've done there. Yeah, uh,
1: I think a lot of people tend to, you know, we discount the flu a lot. You know, um, but eighty thousand is a lot.
0: Well, I, I also think it's something that. When you speak to most people, oh yeah, I've had the flu. I've had the flu. Yeah, have you? Really? And, and, and actually, I, I don't think everyone has had the uh, hand on heart. I think I've had it once. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, you know, I think there's times before that I thought I'd had the flu because right. I felt so rough, and then I had the flu and it knocked me sideways. And I, I remember chatting to a friend who was a um, at the time he was a med student, and he was a then a GP. Uh, and I talking to him about it, and we had we were this conversation around. You know, I've only had the flu once, and he saw well, the way I diagnose flu in my practice is with the uh, ten pound note test. Mm. And I was like, sorry. He said, oh yeah. So he said, if you've got the flu and you're in bed with the flu, and you get up and you look out the window and you see a ten pound note in your garden, <laughs> you really have got the flu. If you go, I can't can't be bothered i haven't got the the energy to do it whereas if you don't have the flu you will get your ass downstairs and you'll get out to the garden you'll go and get that 10 pound note from the garden right 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 he said and that he said it's not particularly scientific but it's actually a very good test yeah yeah that that you can use and so okay so before you and i've interrupted so i apologize but before you got so eighty thousand deaths in a developed country like the us that's incredible Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah yeah
0: is that do we know what the The demographic of that population is it people, because I know obviously there are groups that are more at risk, like the elderly or people with pre-existing conditions. So do we know what the makeup of that 80,000 is? Even that 80,000 is a big number. Do we have a breakdown of?
1: I don't have that breakdown, and I don't think that anyone really does. And that was going to be, you've kind of preempted my next point, is that it's actually really hard. Like these are estimates, right? And they always say this is an estimated number because it's actually quite hard to get an exact number of flu deaths for a lot of the reasons that you... Well, for the big reason that you just pointed out there is that everyone kind of just jumps to, well, I've got the flu, but how many of us actually ever get tested and diagnosed with the flu? So it's the same in in hospitals. Um, It's, you know, how many people get tested? And I mean, the, the recommendations every year that come out for doctors are always, you know, don't prescribe um, antibiotics to all these people that think they have the flu and only give, uh, certain medications when you actually know and what's the protocol on testing and all this stuff. So it's a bit of a tricky thing to, um, to get estimates for, to get numbers for, uh, so that's one thing. And then, yes, you're also correct in that certain demographics, uh, get, get hit harder usually old people and very young people and then of course the immunocompromised or people with pre-existing conditions so when we're looking at this 80,000 number in comparison to the other years that i mentioned you know like 56,000 or it's the worst since 1976 it's actually not really a super fair comparison because the demographics of the us have changed or of right. you know any country that you're looking at will have changed there's a lot more older people in the u.s these days than there was in say 1976 right
0: because we're living longer and yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. you know most
1: western uh you know north america and western european countries are getting older i mean i guess the same is true for japan and in some other places australia um yeah so that's something to take into note is that there's actually a, a larger susceptible population uh for the flu as well right okay so yeah that, fair that point. could that could bump up the numbers as well but i think it is important to note though exactly what you said is like how many people actually have it versus have a cold versus have something right. else um so yeah it's a bit tricky to get the numbers and and the officials from the cdc were saying that yeah this is just an estimate and it, the number could change uh in the next weeks and months as they get more data but it's not likely to go down. If anything it's probably going to go up. So So is there
0: any is there any speculation as to why that num why obviously you know that we've said the demographic is changing, you know, there are people that potentially are more susceptible because they're living longer. Is that driving that number or is that is there any thought that the flu virus, the influenza virus itself is becoming more virulent or mutating or
1: I think it was just a, it was exactly what they were predicting. It was the combination of right. strains uh, and their inability to match up the vaccine to those strains. It was just a bad flu year, you know, like it's just one of those things that happens. Um, I don't know. I mean, when I remember writing a piece, uh, last year about this, about flu, uh, and the potential for it being bad. And it's just one of those things. Like, I don't like, I think if I remember correctly, they were saying that, there has maybe been a trend of influenza a sort of popping up more regularly and being more prevalent in the mixture of flus you have influenza a b c and a being the worst and then each one of those has their own subtype of strains so it it broadens out the categorization broadens out from there but I don't know if if we could say at this point that we need to be super worried that you know flus are getting worse and worse every year because to kind of wrap this one up they actually said that this year is they being you know doctors CDC people that are working is <laughs> I, I, I had a thought of being just throwing out the they they they, they. you know they the lizard yeah. people. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so the lizards think that it's going to be a good year for flu, uh, in that it's it looks like that there's milder strains. Good,
0: good, I was going to say good year for flu or good year for human beings. Good year for human
1: to... beings facing the flu.
0: Okay, because and the lizards get the flu or not? Are they they probably got the cure, haven't they? They're just not. Yeah, the lizard habit. people. Yeah, like the yeah. flu is
1: actually they're just toying with us and trying to keep our numbers in check. Really, right, so. right. Um, it's like it's
0: like the mixed mitosis for rabbits. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So it's a milder strain. It looks like milder strains are mo- most prevalent right now. Uh, and those will be the ones that they expect to make up the, the bulk of uh, flu virus this year. And early tests, early estimates are looking like they'll be able to better match the, the vaccines to those strains. So this year is shaping up to not be as bad. Having said that, all the, all the caveats in anything you read about this is still get your flu shot especially if you work with children or you have children or you work or visit elderly people on a regular basis. I mean, if you're a health professional, I think it's mandatory uh, to get it. So yeah, you know, vaccines are good. This year's is shaping up to be a good one. So you might want to get this one
0: there are some parts of the world that would call that controversial saying vaccines are good flash but i i am i am with you i think they they are good <laughs> i think the, the we're not going vaccine... to give much
1: weight to that side of the argument <laughs> no we're
0: not we're going to we're going to brush over that um but yeah like the, the, the flu i guess my first exposure of it pardon the the pan again there was you know certain demographics here if you have asthma if you're immunocompromised you said diabetic you know those people get offered the flu vaccination or their flu shots um what really surprised me the first time i went to the us around about flu season was just the number of pop-up clinics that seem to appear everywhere with get your flu shots here for mm-hmm. 20 bucks or whatever which it's just something you never see here And i think the thing that always used to make me think was what well, if they can vaccinate against it why don't they just give it to everyone yeah and also how how do they make that vaccine so quickly knowing that flu mutates and whatever so there's obviously they're obviously getting some early read on what those viruses look like. So then, you know, I'm not saying you have the answer there, but I'd, I'd love to know. I've always been interested and I've never bothered to look it up because I'm lazy like that.
1: Well, I can give how you... How do they, I how do they get you, that uh, early read and then how do they do it? Yeah, I can give you some information on that. And actually, if I'm not too lazy, I will try and find the links where I got this information. Because um, okay. I remember watching a really nice YouTube video about it. All right, well, Not I, about I lizard people. It had down. it had okay. nothing to do with lizard people or the no lizard sh- or hardcore pornography. Yeah, yeah, or the shape of the earth. Um, but no, it's it's actually and it, it's it's a fairly recent discovery. Um, you know, putting all these pieces of information together, but the flu basically starts in Asia, so every, that's why we have the flu season, right? So there's right. and there's a number of reasons why. Um, it originates in Asia. There's high density of people, high density of people and birds, I think is, is one of the factors. Well, that's one of the risk factors for the avian flu, you know, that's supposed to be so yeah. bad, but it's also, it's climate, I think is the big thing. Um, so the climate in some of these uh, Asian, Southeast Asian countries, it's just, it's perfect for flu all year round. Whereas right. the more uh, temperate regions where we talk about a flu season, basically being the winter, um we have a it has more of a seasonal thing to it whereas in asia this spot these spots in asia it's sort of flu is bubbling there all year round um and so they actually they're monitoring these areas these known sort of hot spots where the cauldron is sort of bubbling over and, and getting a read on the strains and the mutations uh that are happening and then they look at um, which ones are most prevalent so we keep seeing this strain is you know in a lot of people in Asia or this one or this one um, and then they get an idea of whatever you know the most common strain happening at the moment before flu season starts this is what we're going to try and base our vaccine on and so it is a guess and that's why sometimes they're not able to match it up well um there's also other reasons why they wouldn't be able to match it up well but this is sort of it this is why it's a guessing game every year and this is why you have to get a new one every year it's because it does mutate but that's the hot spot that's where you watch and then at a certain time they say okay we need to get the vaccine out we need to roll it out so what's all the data from you know our surveillance in in asia showing us let's run with that and then the flu actually it follows the same sort of pattern every year i think it goes you know through australia first and then over to north america and then into europe and africa subsequently so you can
0: get that early read okay we here in asia right okay and it's quite it's 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 apparently
1: a very cyclical pattern you know and once they figured that pattern out and sort of put all the pieces together that's when they were really able to be like okay now we can make seasonal flu shots every year but yeah Yeah, but asia Asia is the flu hot spot so if you want to you know flu tourism it's not a big thing at the moment but maybe we could get into that
0: (laughs) yeah i'm not sure i'm gonna you know bank my family's livelihood on uh, creating that little limited company flash but you know if all else fails, maybe.
1: Uh, it was just a thought. Just, it just jumped to me. Um,
0: Why don't you leave the, the ideas to me and, you know, you just do the legwork flash. I think that's <laughs> how this relationship should work.
1: Well, you know, I'll try and jump from my flu tourism <laughs> joke, which may be a bit insensitive well it's possibly it's been
0: said, it's been said before and but. that's
1: where i'll go next because okay. we're gonna jump next to our number one favorite virus of the show you you guessed it ebola we have an ebola update there's some ebola should i, should I
0: do the uh musical jingle interlude here or is that
1: sure yeah because i still have <laughs> <laughs> there it is there it is folks that, I
0: didn't know if that's one of the things that makes us insensitive.
1: That noise um, can only be mean one thing. And that is, that it's an Ebola update. And I will preface, we've danced around it now, just right there. We did get one comment from someone who listened to the show that perhaps our, our handling of Ebola is a bit insensitive. Having, and you
0: need to be careful of how you handle Ebola cause it can kill you.
1: That's right. And it's all about handling. That's, you know, that's what it's all about. So taking this criticism into mind, Let's just have the caveat, Leo, maybe after the Ebola noise, we can say, obviously, it's a bad thing. We wish nobody any harm, you know, the, the sort of disclaimer, the sort of legal disclaimer. Yeah. Um,
0: maybe in post-production flash, you could put like some somber music in the background <laughs> as we go through this bit, just to, you know, bring it to a, a level of competency and sensitivity. We want to have a
1: level of decorum, that's right? And, yeah,
0: decorum. That's the word I was looking for. So yeah. That's why we worked so well together. You could see me stumbling over words. You knew what I meant to well, say. Well,
1: and I think, let's be honest, though, this show has very little decorum. Well, yeah. And it's, yeah. for me, one of the charms.
0: For me, it's the founding pillar on which we are built in that we have no decorum. So, in fact, we are a show built on no pillar whatsoever.
1: Yeah, zero pillars. Which
0: is, yeah, which is dangerous. But
1: <laughs> Much like Ebola. So, yeah. Glossing over our, ver- our very incentive handling of trying to be more sensitive about the Ebola update, um, this Ebola update does it does have a, a different twist on it. And I will say, uh, in all seriousness, it is a bit serious, um, and kind of highlights a few different things that we've maybe touched on in the past with Ebola. Um, but this current outbreak that's happening in Congo. Um, has a couple of unique aspects to it. So just to give the numbers right now, uh, I think this this outbreak was declared August first. Um, it's happening in a region that's close to the border with Uganda, uh, and the from the Congo the Congolese Health Ministry they say they have 130 confirmed cases and 74 deaths. But what's different about this outbreak, because I'm not sure if people, we missed an outbreak over the summer while we were away. There was an outbreak that started in April and ended in July that was in another part of the Congo. And we'll get to that in a second. What's happening here with the current outbreak and the current situation, all reports are saying is that they're at sort of this tipping point right now. Health officials are worried because they've kind of battled it to a stalemate, um, at the moment, but what's different with this outbreak is that with the, in the border with Uganda, there's a lot of armed rebel groups operating. Um, and this is making it very difficult to get into some of those more impossible to get into some of those regions. So they don't really know, uh, what's going on in that in those areas that are controlled by these, you know, rebel forces. Um, so it's, it's possible that it's, it's festering there and could spread into the border. So there is a real risk and a real worry, uh, that it's going to spread to neighboring countries. And then, and this is maybe not, um, so unique to this, but it's been a, it's been a theme and a, and a highlight of this outbreak is that there's been attacks on um caregivers on the workers so i know
0: we talked about this before yeah okay
1: yeah and it's you know it's there's a lot of distrust and you know fear and everything that comes with this with this virus and this situation and that's that's what's happened that's what's been in the news you know as of yesterday um first week of october uh is that two health workers were critically injured uh, when they were attacked, trying to perform the safe burials. So this is like an essential part of Ebola control is conducting a burial uh, in which there's no transfer of, you know, the virus to the people doing the burial. And I think we've talked about that in previous um, episodes, previous Ebola updates, how, you know, different cultural burial practices will lend themselves to being um better transmitters of ebola or not so you have these teams that carry out the safe safe burials uh and so a couple people were injured as they were trying to perform this task and then later in september or earlier in september there was another injury uh again a safe burial team was attacked um and there was an injury there. So, I mean, obviously we wish those people well, um, but it kind of highlights, you know, with outbreaks and this being maybe, you you know, outbreaks in general, this being, you know, maybe a good case study for it, how the sort of social factors on the ground, uh, can influence the, the, the course of the outbreak. So this could be you know, sort of looked at, I guess, as good and bad, not so much the social practices, but the the other thing that I wanted to highlight was that I found an article from a month ago. So article in the New York times from September 2nd that was talking about the last outbreak uh, of Ebola in the Congo. So that one I mentioned that was from April to July and they were talking about how they were able to trial, a lot of these new whether it's vaccines or some antiviral drugs uh but then also some health practices and And,
0: and was that because i know we touched on i think it it may have been that outbreak is that the outbreak that occurred they were worried because it occurred near a more populated area so they were worried it was then going to get in yeah, I can't remember which capital it was. It was close to one of the major cities, and the worry yes. was that's the first time they'd seen it in a major city. So yeah. I knew that they they it, talked about doing more yeah aggressive prevention practices. Yeah, so, okay,
1: that's that's exactly the one. And in fact, it did go to a major city. I can't remember the name of it right now, and I I, I neglected to write it down. Apologies, but it was in the Congo, um, and it was it made it into this major city, but they were still able to contain it, and so it was actually you know, by the time July 25th rolled around and they had declared that outbreak over everyone, it was like, well, this is a success story. This actually worked out really well, you know, for a country that, um, you know, doesn't have great health in health infrastructure. Um, a lot of these things that they implemented were, uh, worked really well. And it wasn't just, uh, technology. Like it wasn't just the vaccines. It wasn't just the drugs. There was, the um health practices that were put into place uh, and some of these as you'll see uh, interact with those social um, practices that I was talking about uh, in a way to to help stem the outbreak so I think it's worth noting that the the Congolese government and health officials uh, deserve a pat on the back for their handling of the previous outbreak um, So again, from this article from the New York Times and from September 2nd, so they're talking about these, um, health pr these practices that were put into place that did, that worked really well in the previous outbreak and how September 2nd, we thought that the current outbreak could be snuffed out way quicker because of the steps that they had learned in the last one. And some of those steps were, like I said, the drugs and the vaccines, but there was, um, you know, uh, uh, protocols in place that as soon as there was, uh, cases, they immediately removed all of the health staff from those hospitals and replaced them with trained, you know, experienced health, health workers who knew how to properly use the, the big rubber suits and all that stuff. Um, they also made healthcare free for any illness. Didn't matter what illness it was, but in that region, it was like, if you're sick, just come, just come to the hospital, and we will treat okay. you. So it doesn't matter if it's Ebola, because that happens, you know, a lot. That there was, you know, people don't go to the to the hospital for whatever reason. It's too much money, or it's too far, or whatever it is. So they uh, so
0: remove that barrier. Remove yeah, yeah. that
1: barrier exactly. And then the the other interesting one that I saw was there's a group called Alliance for International Medical Action, and they provided or designed these. Um, Containment rooms, I guess, like portable containment rooms for the Ebola patients themselves. So it looks, it looks kind of scary. Um, it's like a, you know, like a big plastic sort of tent, yeah. right? Like that you that the patient has to live in. Um, but it has those, you know, if you if you think of like Homer Simpson working with the isotope in The Simpsons, you know, the the gloves that go inside of right. the thing. Yeah. So the healthcare workers can actually be—they don't have to physically interact with the patient in order to do very common things like feeding, um, providing—you know—adjusting the IV drips, this kind of right. stuff. So like these sort of basic functions that nurses and caregivers have to do for Ebola patients, they're actually able to do that without having to don the the crazy suits, which right, yeah is twofold. So this is where the social thing comes in is that it's less terrifying for the patient, especially children is that they can, even though they're being interacted with, you know, through this potentially scary, it's not
0: somebody looking like Darth Vader. Exactly.
1: It's not this alien looking person coming in. They can actually see the person on the other side and they can better talk to them. Um, And so the nurses are able to do most of their functions and even the patients Uh, if they're strong enough can sort of clean up their own area and dispose of, you know, rags or, you know, whatever, whatever it is you're using to clean up sort of the vomit and and everything else into these. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is in these bags and and slip them through the, the the tunnel to the outside. Um, So it actually, they found that these worked quite well. And then again, on the social side, this allowed the families to be closer to the um, to the patients, whereas before, when they had to, if you wanted to even be within, you know, whatever like ten feet of the patient, you had to be in this full gear. So what they would have is just like, you know, barriers of fences waist-high fences that were set, you know, 15, 20 feet, whatever it is, away from the patient. So if you wanted to talk to them, it was either, you know, via a phone system or they were kind of like, you know, just had to like shout, you know, yeah. to the to the people from these fences because they kept away. They could actually be in closer proximity to the to the patient. So the families were more willing to bring people to get care because it's not this situation where I brought them to the hospital. I never saw them again and they came so out again. in a body right. bag, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. they were able to be there and, and talk to them uh, and say like, I see what's happening. I see that they're getting care. Um, and so people were more willing to, you know, bring, right. Bring yeah. the Interesting. In. It's
0: not, you know, obviously, you know, the vaccines and the drugs are
1: helpful. Coming to yeah.
0: kill the but actually, you know, it's, as we talked about before it's the fact that people don't go to hospital or you know they see Ebola as a big conspiracy from the west or whatever mm-hmm. yeah interesting that that's what's breaking down the barriers and potentially opening up the potential for a cure more so or you know higher cure rates well at
1: least to to reduce the amount of deaths right because right now it's like right. in in your sort of best case Ebola scenario 50 percent of people die Yeah. You know? right and so the this new york times piece also kind of equated these things to cholera and how cholera used to be really really bad and you know most people most people that got it would die but actually if you can you know put some simple strategies in place to stop transmission keep patients hydrated give them some kind of medication then you can drop that number to like 1%. So 1% of people that get it die. And so they were kind of saying that all these sort of interventions that they learned from the April outbreak maybe could, in subsequent Ebola outbreaks, do exactly that. So it's like instead of losing 50% of people, we lose 1% of people, and then it reduces sort of the fear and sort of mystery around Ebola as well. So that was like you know, a piece from September 2nd that was rather hopeful about the current outbreak and now we jump ahead one month and we see that the headlines are now reading we're at a critical point with this outbreak where we don't know where it's going to go because of civil unrest and you know some of these other social factors that that we talked about so it'll be interesting to see where this one goes hopefully um it's contained i think they said that they're You know, they have checkpoints all along the border where they're screening people. And I think they've screened like 6.5 million people that have been going across these borders um, for Ebola. And at the moment, there's only been like a handful of cases that have been maybe, you know, from places outside the epicenter of the of the outbreak zone. Um, But the major concern right now is that there is a lot of unrest and violence uh, happening in the areas and it's one of the most populated areas of the Congo uh, and people are getting displaced because of the unrest and violence and if you can't if one of those people has it and and they're forced to flee or whatever you know it's just it's a bad situation and so the WHO is at the moment scrambling to sort of get a get a handle on that and I think they're asking for more money from donors to help deal with this situation but It seems like it's at this place. I think one of the things I read, too, was saying it's like we're not seeing a rise in cases, but we're not seeing a fall in cases. But there's so much uncertainty because there's just no-go zones in terms of we can't get in there. It's too dangerous. And then, like I said, this recent um, attack on on the healthcare workers does not inspire confidence. But, uh, yeah, so we wait and see. So an interesting Ebola update that has brought in some new sort of angles or highlighted some angles that maybe we don't normally cover. Cause like I said, we kind of tend to focus on over oh, the vaccines and the drugs and that's the, that's the key, but there's a lot, there's a lot, there's many other things at play. So that's what we have for the uh, Ebola update, Brad, unless you have any other questions for me.
0: Uh, no. And I, I, I think that we, I think we handled that in a uh, sensitive manner. But you know, maybe, maybe other people will come back and maybe say we didn't. But no, I, I, well done, Flash, for handling that so <laughs> sensitively.
1: You bought um, update out.
0: We really will invest some funds into that uh, that jingle at some point, and uh, then go from there. Um, so. To to, uh, to finish up I've got uh, a short little science story and then a short little s- funny story I get, well I probably shouldn't say funny because of the insensitive comments, a short shorter story. I think story we just need to
1: embrace, like we acknowledged it, you know, we obviously don't mean any harm, we're just trying to, you know, have a good time here. So if you, you know, if you're really offended, you can send us a line, drop us a line, but yeah, we're, just good, gonna we're just going to do us, we're just going to
0: do us. Yeah. Um, so the next science story I had um, is regarding space travel. We know that's, you know, rockets and lasers are up there with, you know, some of the most popular topics we uh, we tackle. Mm-hmm. So um, NASA have uh, recently just published some data looking at the effects of um, long-term space travel on, um, well, potentially on the human body. Um, so it's been thought for a while, you know, there's been talk of, you know, do we send a manned mission to Mars? And even beyond that and you know the effects on the human body and I think for a long time um, a lot of the concern was that it, it was the weightlessness that was going to cause a lot of issues with problem with joints and yeah, bone density uh, and all that bone density and things like that actually the uh, latest research has shown that it's the exposure to um, galactic radiation Ooh. that uh, actually could be the real issue and it's actually the damage that that does specifically to the gastrointestinal tract ah. um, are so we talking
1: microbiome
0: can... stuff here? Um, well, it's more to the tissue. So it's the fact that radiation obviously attacks the the cells that are regenerating most quickly. And, and that tends to be the gut because okay. it's having to regenerate itself. Um, so actually the exposure to this radiation is actually potentially causing cancer uh, in the, in those cells or um, damaging them to the point that they don't function properly. So you're not actually getting the absorption of nutrients and um all the good stuff from food that you should be. So what they've looked at is they exposed mice to charged iron uh, particles, so uh, ions in effect. charged Because basically ions. that's
1: what radiation is, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, which is effectively the predominantly is what makes up galactic radiation. I love that term, galactic radiation. <laughs> um, and what they saw in those mice is those mice um, had a high in, high in high incidence of uh, GI track damage or cancer Um, they lost weight uh, and even died in in extreme cases Um, what they also then looked at was the effects of some of the heavier ions that are in that galactic radiation so they're simulating
1: Um, galactic radiation and blasting these mice
0: yeah they are blasting mice with galactic radiation Mm. so who knows you know, we might end up with a super mouse effectively but keep waiting uh,
1: for a superhero to come from one of these experiments yeah
0: it's not coming yet what they found with some of the heavier ions that are making up that galactic radiation is actually it can cause um, damage in the brain um, and actually accelerated the aging process. So the fact mm. that you know these long-term journeys are you know potentially decades-long journeys in the first place, but the fact that it potentially would accelerate the aging process as well. Um, and what they've basically said is current technology means that they don't have a way to protect against it in the long term Hmm. Um, because I mean spaceships are
1: already like just like loaded with radiation shields like that's always been a concern like it's not like this is I'm interested it's interesting like what's the difference like obviously they found a different frequency or wavelength or something of this radiation because radiation has always been a concern for the people going into space
0: Uh, yeah so uh, yeah and I think you know so you've got the galactic radiation in the background you've got solar radiation solar radiation um, maybe that's what I was thinking and things like that so yeah but it's the fact that they've said you know we hands up at the moment we don't have the technology to to deal with this so will that potentially delay manned missions to mars and places like that because of that, that i think that'll be an interesting one to watch mm. obviously now there's a branch of research and science that's opened up to obviously to try and find the technology to try and prevent that mm-hmm. but currently it's uh yeah just not good enough so yeah we can maybe keep an eye on that one for the future for you know new spacesuits to come maybe that's where we make our millions flash designing a radiation spacesuit
1: well I mean sounds like a lot of work it's probably (laughs) I mean
0: yeah I've checked my schedule I'm busy next week I I feel like
1: I said probably I started the next sentence probably but it's for sure a better idea than flu tourism well but flu tourism could be easier so I don't know we'll talk about it off air
0: yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. Okay. So, yeah. As I said, a, a short little story there. Um, mainly because it used the term galactic radiation, and I just thought it was really good. Cool. Yeah, you're really enamored
1: with that one. I am. I, I like yeah. the idea um, that uh, it accelerates aging. So you know, you got these all these like bright-eyed young people. Let's say some young, liberal, idealistic people that are going to go colonize some planet. And then their age accelerates and by the time they get there, they're cranky old conservatives that are just like, <laughs> we've been here and we don't want anyone else coming here. So that they're- <laughs> yeah, yeah. fake news, yeah, yeah, fake yeah. news, stealing our jobs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then I guess that then opens up the possibility of if that can accelerate aging, can you reverse the aging process? But anyway. Maybe that's, you know, you could use the galactic radiation for good at Right. We just got to
1: like yeah. reverse engineer galactic radiation to make the, yeah. the youth ray.
0: Maybe we can do that the week after next because next week seems to be fairly fully booked with flu tourism. And yeah. the week after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and invest some time in technology to counteract <laughs> galactic radiation. So maybe after that. But Okay. So we've had a, a good spell of a mixture of science and medicine and space. Uh, I'm going to bring us back down with uh, something not so science related but something I saw in the news today which I I just caught my eye Um, we're we're taken now with technology and uh, the selfie in particular has something that you know I think it's even in the dictionary now is what a selfie is and um, you know the number of times you walk down the street and see a number of people with selfie sticks or taking selfies themselves or posting them online Um, but actually there's uh, just uh, an article that came out uh, this week which uh, shows the dangers of taking these selfies. So there's actually been 259 selfie-related deaths uh, between 2011
1: and 2018. 2011? Um, it's, it's, so so is like 2011 the year that the selfie sort of really took off? or
0: Yeah, I... So makes
1: sense. They actually it makes to, sense. seven well, years ago. That makes sense. Yeah, well, is, yeah,
0: I guess maybe when did technology really take off? But there are only actually three reports of selfie-related deaths in 2011. Okay, so it was um, still and new. And then that that number. And you know what? Uh,
1: God bless those pioneers. <laughs> <laughs> Taking crazy selfies, leaning off the edge of a cliff or some shit. You know, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have all the great Instagram material that we have now. People pushing the boundaries, Brad. It's about pushing the boundaries.
0: They actually say um, that uh, that number is potentially underestimated because um, they just, you know, some people are found dead and they don't know if they're taking a selfie or not. Or reports of um, people that have seen people have been by their family. They haven't reported that because it's embarrassing to have. Yeah. You know, died in maybe such an idiotic it's not way.
1: embarrassing those people are trailblazers my friend trailblazers well
0: uh, so you touched on it slightly there so I, I wanted to make this into a little bit of a quiz form right. uh, we'll see if it works if it doesn't then I'll I'll put you in the listener yeah we'll put the listener in you out Imagery. Um, do you want to try and guess at the top two causes of death from the selfie related
1: Hmm. Yes. top two I would say a fall definitely a fall uh, right? let me give you the, my second guess uh, Okay. so I'm going to say fall number one or number one or two these will be interchangeable fall okay. and uh, traffic related so either being struck I'm, I'm thinking getting hit by a car or possibly there's some you know uh, really um creative Instagram content producers that are taking selfies while driving. Okay, well, Flash, uh,
0: you have hit the nail on the head. Boom. That's right, well done. Uh, so, yeah, the biggest cause is actually drowning.
1: Okay, so I didn't get that.
0: Well, but you kind of did get that. Because you fall into it, the water? You fall into the right, water, okay. yeah. So, okay. so actually drowning was given as the biggest cause, um, <laughs> incidents involving <laughs> incidents involving transport was the next yeah, so, yeah people driving while taking selfies or getting hit by a train while trying to yeah. selfie uh and then third place was falling itself but yeah falling into water and drowning was the uh, was okay the yeah the so explosion. see i
1: was what I, I i will clarify that what i did mean was number three was actually falling off a, a from a height
0: right know. yeah yeah so you did all that um Next question in the quiz, do you want to uh there are four countries that have the biggest number of selfie desks do you wanna d- desks deaths uh do you wanna i need to get some new teeth or stop drinking while we're doing this. uh do you wanna do you wanna guess what uh those four countries might okay,
1: be yeah I will take a guess so the top four countries in which selfie selfie deaths occur okay. yeah i mean I think we have to go with our uh our good friends, the Americans, as being on that list.
0: Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, they yeah. come in at number three.
1: Number three? I would have thought they'd be number one. Jeez. Okay. Um, well, just in terms of other, just, I'm this one I'm going with just pure population numbers. So I'm going to say China. No. Okay, not on there. Yeah, they're responsible people. Again, uh, just on numbers, I'll say India. Uh, number one ding 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 there we go okay I like that Um,
0: I'll give it I'll give you a clue for number two I don't know if you've seen there's a a Twitter account or there's several Twitter accounts um, where it basically just shows clips of videos Uh, I think the I think the one I follow is called only in but it's basically people of that country just doing crazy stuff that anywhere else in the world would kill us or Mamus, well and obviously it is killing people, it's number two cause of death, but don't know if that helps you or not.
1: No, I don't I don't know the account. See now I'm going um to Quite a, I'm gonna, I'm,
0: Stereotypically it's seen as a hardy type of people. Oh, the Russians. Didding yeah, yeah.
1: Russia Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know yeah. what? They I I follow a few Instagram accounts that are of the same ilk. Only in Russia, they, yeah. that kind of theme. Yeah, yeah they get after it.
0: Yeah, They, they get yeah, after yeah, they it,
1: do. and, you know, pretty ballsy. So I'll, yeah, give, them, I'll yeah. give them props for that. The only other one... So there's uh, one more, right? So we have there India one number one, yeah. Russia number two, America US number, number three. three. So now, you know, don't hate on me, people, for saying this one. I'm going... I know it's a stereotype, but I'm going to the region where they take a lot of pictures, and it's kind of the stereotype is that they're always taking... You know the selfie pictures on vacation, so I'm going to say it's either Korea or Japan.
0: Um, no, I like uh, what I really like is the logic that you've applied there. But no, am <laughs> yeah, I like,
1: stereotyping um, of, of other countries? You well, like no, the logic. but
0: I, I think I think you're. I, I, there is published work out there, isn't there, showing that those those nations um, do take more pictures. But I'm going to put you out of your misery. So it's actually a, a, a neighbor of India, it's Pakistan.
1: Okay, that kind of makes sense uh, too. Let's
0: yeah. go number four, which I, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised for that one. Um, I think this one potentially might be an easy one if you want to go along the stereotype route. Uh, in terms of gender, do you want to have a guess at which gender is more likely to die from a selfie-related death, male or female? I I'm
1: could just say males. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, 72.5% yeah. of these deaths were in males. Um, young,
1: you know, I've, I've been saying this a lot recently, but like, Young males, 17 to 25, they're like the most dangerous species on the planet.
0: Oh, well, you've, you've kind of taken away what was going to be the next question. But yeah, so uh, 20 to 29-year-olds uh, uh, make up 50% of this yeah, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the 10 to 19-year-olds make up 36% of the number.
1: Oh, there was a 10-year-old out there that died from taking a selfie?
0: you laughing at that flash is not going to help the insensitive comments that are going to flood in from wow. this uh, yeah. yeah yeah in the uh, yeah 10 to 19 year old bracket I just uh, can't yeah, imagine 36%. what a 10 year old
1: was taking a picture a selfie of that well I could probably think of a few things actually
0: uh, yeah um, other other reports of death uh, there were death by animals death by electrocution by fire uh, and firearms uh, Ooh, also appeared in the yeah, frequently would- reports
1: you think that would be a big one.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, the falls came from tops of mountains, tall buildings, and into lakes where a lot of the deaths occurred. Um, it's leading to the um, call now for no selfie zones to be created in certain selfie death hotspots. Um,
1: <laughs> Niagara Falls, uh, the Eiffel Tower, you know, like <laughs> places yeah, like
0: this. Uh, yes. Yeah, Yosemite would be uh, on that list as well.
1: Uh, oh really? Actually that would be interesting yeah. to look at is like which, you know, sort of monuments or like you know, land you know, landmarks have the most. Yeah. Grand Canyon well, I'm sure, bit. Yosemite, these kind of places, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe there's some sort of Google out there. So cliffs of Yeah, Dover. something <laughs> one well, nobody there. Well, apart from people sort of gesticulating across the channel the rest of Europe come Brexit, maybe there'll be a lot more people jumping <laughs> off the cliffs then Who knows? Uh so yeah, so I, I just thought that was something, you know, obviously being sensitive to the fact that two hundred and fifty nine people have died. Um, but maybe something a little bit more offbeat just to to finish the show. Uh do you want me to quickly wrap up where we Yeah, let's do it. Let's been. do our summary uh, uh, been today. Um so the first is should we all get our Obituaries prematurely, you know, it's mm. not it's not good premature things aren't always good, but maybe in this case maybe maybe it could be used as a source for good in the future, as in the case of the Nobel Prize of
1: As long as that obituary is shameful and and causes well, yeah. you great guilt and shame, great things yeah. can come of yeah. that. Yeah. Indeed. Shame and guilt uh, are, so are, cho- are powerful motivators. I think we can say that they are.
0: Choose choose your authors wisely. Um, second on my list uh, I have and this this would be a good one for anyone that just goes do you know what I can't be bothered to listen to the previous 40-50 minutes of these two guys just ranting (laughs) bitterly Um, so I'm just going to zoom into the last five minutes where I get the uh, the summary and maybe the little funny bit on the end that not that many people would know is there if they listen to all the music but now they do Uh, so number two on my list is the lizard people have the cure right and i don't think we should say any more there so mm. uh if you want to know more you have to go and listen to the rest of the show um and number three i think we've highlighted that we are sensitive to the insensitive feedback uh and we act on such uh, insensitive <laughs> feedback with sensitivity uh kind of and i think we've done a great job of that there so that's where we've been on today's show i know it's been a little bit of a break but it's been great as always um Bruce, the uh, mascot, has not made an appearance today. Those of you that follow him on Instagram will know that he had a slight uh, run-in with, not sure whether it was a car or a horse. I'm pleased to report he has made a full recovery. So, um, Good to hear. He's back, he's back on social media, at Tabby Bruce, if you want to follow uh, <laughs> the podcast uh, Podshow mascot. Um, if you want to get in touch with the the show, then you can do so via our Twitter feed, which is at 2 brad you or if you want to get in touch with either of uh us then you can get me at uh at bradley w hayes on twitter flash if they want to get you
1: at b van Paragon. on any well any twitter or instagram people can hit me up
0: i'm not that active are you can say any social media you're you, you still monitoring your myspace account yeah or <laughs> is that
1: no but i got a 4chan thing set up oh, okay well that's good <laughs> you're covering all the bases there
0: Uh, Flash it's been uh, it's been emotional it's been a roller coaster. it's been great fun as always I look forward to next time which won't be as far away in the distant future as uh,
1: no past shows no 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 no. I mean we say that we say a lot of things on this show that I don't know if we follow up with half of them (laughs) but (laughs) but uh, that's the goal that's the goal okay so yeah definitely thank you all for listening Um, we can't wait to do it again it's been a blast
0: yeah Okay, listeners, Flash, I'll uh, catch you next time. Right. Have a good we'll one. We'll leave it at that. See ya. Cheers and jolly. as you're talking about.
1: Yeah, well, they'll never hear this part.
0: Well, unless you put it on the tape. <laughs> okay, right. I've paid money to international people. I've laundered money. God knows what's going on in my bank account right now. Right, okay. You going to get the ball rolling?
1: No, I was going to say I think you should. Okay. Because there's now two things in a row on our feed that are just me.
0: Oh that's true. Yeah, people are gonna be bored of your voice. Yeah. Exactly. So good plan. Okay. Ready? Ready when you are. Okay, I'm imagining the opening scenes, the music, and the zone. Woo! Woo!